September 7th on the Gist Baseball Show. We have a, a awesome interview with Pitching Ninja talking best pitchers under the age of 25. More like who's going to win the Cy Young in the next, next couple of years while also discussing the current Cy Young race and just our favorite pitchers to watch. That's Arm Layden. I'm Peter Apple. And this episode of the Gist Baseball Show is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code Gist Baseball. Download the BetMGM sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if it loses not 1000 BetMGM has given us an extra 500 and if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. Arm, before we get into the National League wildcard race, and then we're going over to Pitching Ninja, I have to issue an apology, my friend. But... It's it's kind of like we, but it's mostly me because I think I led the charge on this team being bad and they ended up being really good. Would you like to be a part of the apology or you don't think you deserve to give one? Yeah, that, it's actually a great question. I was thinking about that. Like, where where did I stand on the Cubs going into this year? Regardless, they have exceeded my expectations by a fair margin. So I, you can absolutely loop me in on the apology. I had some questions about the pitching. You know, we didn't know how some of the, the the bats would come together. So, yeah, you you can you can bring me in on this with you. I'm I'm absolutely worthy of of owing Cubs fans an apology. I don't even know if Cubs fans believed in the team this much, though. It's been fun to watch. Chicago Cubs fans, we would like to apologize. And when I say we, I mean mostly. I'd say sixty percent me, forty percent Arm and Jack, because I led the charge on this. I said at the beginning of the season. The the Chicago Cubs would be closer to a 77 to 78 win ball club. I pointed to the starting pitching staff and I said, I don't really believe in Tyone. I like Justin Steele. I like Marcus Stroman, but everything after that, not a big fan. I didn't believe in the bullpen. But then Albert Alzali becomes this lockdown closer. Mark Leiter Jr. in the back end turns back the clock somehow. And is this ultimate swingman type? I didn't believe in Cody Bellinger. I thought the Dodgers put the writing on the wall. Cody Bellinger was no more. And he has been an MVP candidate. I was actually, I felt like on an island by myself, really liking the Dansby edition. I liked Nico Horner, but I felt that this offense would be a round league average. The starting pitching staff would be below average. And the bullpen would be below average. And they have been nothing but above average on all sides of the ball, including a great defensive team. Say Suzuki has been good. Christopher Morell has been good. You can go around the diamond. It's hard to find a weak spot on the Chicago Cubs. So I apologize, Cubs fans. I was wrong. The team is much better than I thought they would be. And they're right in the thick of it, of the National League wild card. And the reason I'm apologizing one, because I was wrong. Two, because I kind of want to jump on the bandwagon now. Um, they're electric. <laughs> yeah. They are an electric factory, and I want to be the guy who's now pro-Cubs. So I'm asking Chicago Cubs fans for your forgiveness so I can now jump on the bandwagon because this team is so fun to watch. I appreciate the procedure there. Like You have to admit you were, you were lower on them, wrong about it. Then once forgiveness is is you know given to you, then you can jump on the bandwagon. So I, I'm totally in on that. I like that. Uh, of course, I... I was 
I'm always a fan of the Cubs. Like I love, I love passionate fan bases being happy. Like it's been so cool to see the Reds, uh, even though that's a little bit different because you know, they've been bad for a little bit now. And uh, just seeing fan bases where you know, they are through the thick and thin, I'm always going to pull for them a little bit more. And and it's cool seeing Wrigley Field. I mean, dude, that home run from Christopher Morrell was just so electric. And and the way that Wrigley Field gets up for their team. It's, it's so easy to root for that. It's so easy to want to see that in the postseason. And I love that depending on how it works out here, the three games up as we're recording this, there'll be a little bit of movement by the time we even put this out. But as we're recording this, the three games up on the reds who, who hold the last wildcard spot, they're going to host three, two or three games potentially at Wrigley, if they can hold on to it there. And I mean, that's a big advantage. I, I don't care what people say about like how things have unfolded in the past at Wrigley. It, it's a big advantage to be to be playing there. And the last thing I'll say is you mentioned Stroman as one of the main reasons why we really maybe maybe one of the positives, I would say, of this team. And one of the reasons that we were positive about them. And he's been a big part of why they're where they're at now. But over this hot streak, he's been out. And that's the most amazing thing is it's been next man up and they get you know, Jordan Wicks coming up and, and giving them quality starts. They're getting Justin Steele just kind of, it feels like Steele's almost kicked it to another level since Stroman's been out. I mean, Steele's been great That's all another year. another level. Yeah. It's, I was it's big on level. Steele. I was big on Steele. I didn't think he'd win the National League Cy Young. And right now he is my front runner for National League Cy Young. Yeah. It's just like everybody I thought would be good have become great. And everybody that I thought would become bad have either become Cody Bellinger or at least above average contributors for this team. I love the way you put that. It is truly next man up because Marcus Stroman isn't due back. Right now, our our estimate is a the end of September. We're hearing kind of different reports. We're getting better and better news. But I think we can sit here and say that he will at least be ready by the postseason. Yeah. And when you say they are hosting two, three games, you got Steele and Stroman going in two of those. And we know what Stroman does in big games. Like this team is dangerous come the postseason as well. And, And we didn't even mention the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Javier Assad, who is, again, another guy just plugs in and has been the guy for them every fifth day as well. Like they're getting quality starts left and right from Javier Assad as well. So it's been fun to see. It's been really cool to follow. And uh, it's a very easy team to root for. They go get Candelario as well. Like that, that, that side of it makes it really fun. And you know, to broaden it now, though, yesterday was just like a banger of a day for the yeah. NL wildcard. You see the Marlins fight back and, and, and beat Kershaw and the Dodgers. I mean, that was a game where honestly, I was like, this is the real barometer because they looked like it was slipping away. They went four in a row against the Nats. Like, okay, we know you can beat the Nats. They've crushed them the last two years. How do you fare against the Dodgers? They take that game one there. Lazardo looks pretty solid. Then you go over to Cincinnati. They come back on a Nick Martini three-run shot. And then Ellie De La Cruz manufactures his own run. Infield single, steals second, scores on a, on a single, and they win the game. Cincinnati now, you know, kind of holding on to that last spot there. And then you've got Arizona performing. Like You just have so many teams that I think all are making a really strong push for that final wild card spot and that's what makes it so much fun it seems like the phillies are kind of you know solidified up there at the top and now all of a sudden the cubs are keeping pace with them the cubs might have their their eyes set on the top wild card spot and if that happens oh man they're in an even better spot and whoever draws the phillies is going to be in a nightmare but i mean that's how good the cubs are playing right now they they could even push towards that philly spot and we know how valuable the the top wild card spot is and we keep trying to make predictions we look at strength of schedule we look at what's left series i mean we just got to throw this out the window arm because the reds they had a tough series against the mariners look what they did look what nick martini did like that's why we got to throw these projections out the window we got to throw the strength of schedule out the window because it's a free-for-all and that's why this is so damn exciting because i can make an argument right now to you arm that any of these teams could be the final three. Like, I do think it's going to be the Phillies and the Cubs, and then you have the Marlins and the Reds and the Diamondbacks and the Giants. I think the one team, and it's funny, I'm saying that they're dead now. So what that will do was that this will make this team that third wildcard team. Yes, correct. The Giants. Because I look at the Diamondbacks, and I look at Zach Gallon, he just shoves every day. I look at Merrill Kelly, who's doing the same damn thing 
punched out 12, yeah. left the game with cramps, but just another incredible performance by Merrill Kelly, right? They're getting enough from their offense. And then I look at the Miami Marlins. They're just keep hanging in games, yeah. right? The starting pitching, when we look at the other contenders, it's as good as anyone. And when the offense gets hot, and the pitching does its job, they're winning games. They can beat a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. And you look at the Reds, they're just too damn electric to count out. We keep they, looking at Lion Richardson and <laughs> and Connor Phillips making his debut, and then they win those games. Yeah. So what are we supposed to say? that They can't compete? The one team, and we talked about this pre-record, I don't see the Giants making a run anymore. Yeah, and this just shows you how crazy it is, like the marathon of the season. Going into the year, I was very low on the Giants. Then you start to see them put it together, and all of these awesome things are happening. And I think regardless of what happens, you got to feel pretty good about the Giants going into next year and, and a lot of the things that they've you know been able to identify, pieces like with Patrick Bailey that have emerged. But, yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, they, they, they drop three out of four uh, to the San Diego Padres. They drop now – two in a row as we're recording this, they're playing another one uh, against Chicago. I mean, it's been, it's just been a road trip from hell, but it's not just that. I mean, this offense has been pretty bad. Like one of the worst in baseball, actually over the last month and change. Now, Patrick Bailey's on the concussion list, which sucks. And and that's a big, that's a big blow for them because yeah, he could be back in a week, but that's a third almost of, or a quarter, more than a quarter of the remaining games. So that also puts things in a little bit of a tough spot. They send Wade Meckler back down. Like they're scrambling right now. And it's hard to envision the the Giants keeping pace with these other teams the way they're playing right now. And, and, and I'm with you there. And their bullpen has just been getting so much use all season long. Like they can go to Junis. They can go to Manaya, They can go to Alex Wood. But at the end of the day, they're throwing bullpen games three game or three out of the five days, right? You get an Alex Cobb start who's also been struggling, and you got your Logan Webb start. So more often than not, you're going to win those games. But there's also games where Logan Webb doesn't have it. And when Logan yeah. Webb loses that game, then Alex Cobb is a bad start. You're left scrambling in bullpen yeah. games. And while they have been overall good in bullpen games, as the season progresses, it gets yeah. much harder on those guys' arms. They're only human beings. Yeah, but I'm not completely counting the Giants out. It's just when we look at the National League wildcard picture, we see the avenues for three other teams above them. It's just going to be really hard for them to scrape their way because I like the Diamondbacks more than them. But at the same time, I'm not counting the Diamondbacks in either. So it's not just only the Giants. It's just when we power rank these teams, the Giants end up coming in last. Yeah. And they're the one that's just kind of trending in the other direction. You can kind of make a case for, you know, positive notes, I think, on all of these other teams with either the way that they've been playing of late, maybe some reinforcements that they're getting or like the Reds just seem like they're too young to care. The Marlins offense finally got kind of coming to life again. You look at the D-backs. I think that's another team that is kind of fading a little bit. But again, you look at the D-backs roster versus the Giants. And and I do feel like the D-backs can kind of fight off fading a little bit more because they can swing it like this has been a while of this Giants team kind of circumventing a poor offensive performance and I don't really look through that lineup and feel good about them being able to produce many runs uh, otherwise and it's just going to be really tough for them to piece together wins I think you kind of laid it out on the rotation side of things too and they're going to have to depend on like Kyle Harrison going to be really really interesting between the D-backs the Marlins and the Reds uh, with the Giants still hanging around but the D-backs have to kind of wake up a little bit too. They're three and seven in their last 10, and, and they've been a little bit shaky over, over the last month or so as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they can fight out of it. I, I still think with Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen, like you said, in the offense that they have, they're going to be able to stay in the hunt. Before we get into our interview with Pitching Ninja, fantasy football is here and we all run into this issue. You think your squad is better than your buddies, but you're not in the same league. How can you take home bragging rights? Your solution is Verse Gaming. Their unique platform allows you and your friends to sync your fantasy football team directly from ESPN, Yahoo, or Sleeper and play head-to-head matchups against league mates. Even better, Verse will formulate gambling lines for your specific matchup. If I'm playing Aram or Jack on Verse, I can bet that I'll cover a four and a half point spread against them. Verse is introducing a brand new element to fantasy sports. Just download the Verse Fantasy Sports app, and in just a few taps, you'll start putting money down on your head-to-head matchups 
Once you're signed up, you'll get a $20 referral bonus. If you get your friends to sign up, but even better, they'll receive $50 in promo using your code. Verse is available in 23 states, including California, Florida, Texas, New York, Illinois. For more information, visit versegaming.com or find them on your favorite social media platform at Verse Fantasy. Verse Fantasy, you want in. So go check that out that link in the episode description and without further ado here's pitching ninja and here's the man himself rob friedman also known as the pitching ninja and beyond the hat that he wears that awesome hat you see all over ballparks he wears a lot of other hats as well he's the peacock pitching analyst and mlb analyst of course does a, a bunch of amazing things he's the pitching guru for FanDuel sportsbook MLB on Fox analyst, and it goes on and on and on. Of course, can't forget the flat ground app that he founded as well. Rob, thanks so much for taking the time. Obviously, you got a lot going on. We really appreciate you hopping on the show. My pleasure. Glad to be here. So this has been an unbelievably fun year of of emerging pitchers and just so many different guys that have, whether they're young guys or, or more veteran arms or people that have just kind of taken this next leap this season. There's just been so many unsuspecting arms that have been fantastic. We're going to ask you about some of your favorite young arms, but I wanted to just start with who's been the biggest surprise to you so far this season, because you pretty much don't miss a pitch. You got Matt Waldron knuckleballs in there. You've got just about anybody who threw a cool pitch any given day, but who's been the biggest surprise to you so far this season in terms of what they've been able to do? Um, probably Cole Reagans. I didn't expect him to all of a sudden be the best pitcher in baseball from somebody I wasn't even following for most of the season. I knew he existed, didn't know he existed to this level. And now I can't miss a single pitch the dude throws. That's how good he's gotten in the middle of the season, basically. I am the biggest Cole Reagans fan, I think, on planet Earth. Um, really? I thought it was Cal Quantrill was your guy. <laughs> well, it's it's now becoming a duel. Like Cal's my right-handed guy and Cole Rangins, Cole Rangins is now my left-handed Great guy. I just, I just find it so interesting how a guy can be, you know, he can touch 96, 97 with the Texas Rangers traded for a role this Chapman. Then he goes over to the Royals and is instantly sitting 96, 97, maintaining it throughout his starts touching 100 miles an hour, throwing a bullet slider, piecing off just this incredible changeup. Can you kind of talk about what you've heard about his development from Texas to Kansas City? Yeah, you know, I think it's just the freedom to throw right now is my guess. Like he's now given the leash to to do it. I know his his step up was due to working with Tread Athletics, who is actually an interesting connection. I know Ben, who started Tread Athletics since before he was doing tread athletics. And uh, I think my son was his first client, like the first person he worked with. Cause I knew Ben from a message board before Twitter and all oh. this and, and knew how he improved his own mechanics. And now he works with, you know, some of the best pitchers in baseball and Cole was one of them and, and decided to really take it on. And what they do is look at his, where he was inefficient movement patterns, trying to improve all that. And then just overall philosophy and, it all just clicked for for Reagan's and plus he's just physically very gifted. So all that combined, I think it just I mean, he's unstoppable right now. Like, does he not look like the best pitcher in baseball? <laughs> he looks I'm like not even kidding. I'm not kidding either. That's yeah. why it's like I keep saying all these things and it sounds like I'm over exaggerating. But you got to turn on the TV and watch a lefty throwing 100 miles an hour with two plus breaking balls. So I'm curious kind of who he reminds you of, because they go over kind of his mechanics. Like when we are watching every Cole Reagan start, they bring up guys like Cole Hamels and stuff with that simple over the top. It's a smooth delivery. But at the same time, Cole Hamels didn't throw 100. So who does Cole Reagan's kind of remind you of? Yeah, that's that's a really tough question because there just aren't that many lefties that are horses like that. I mean, I do see the Hamels mechanics thing. He's very smooth, but there's kind of really nobody like him. Like he's just he's right now a freak. Um, trying to think in my head of who would be. I kind of thought like he might. He's kind of like Tarek Skubal in a way, just better. <laughs> that makes like, sense. I love Scoobal stuff, so I'm never going to crap on Scoobal because he's got so many different. Like, I agree with a velo wise, Scoobal can be up there. He's a little bit, he throws a little bit harder than Scoobal. Um, 
Scoobles so got nasty stuff too. I, I'm Scoobles, one of my guys too. Like I love watching him pitch. Um, it's just Reagan's is perfect right now. Like, I know, he's he perfect. Just, yeah, he's just like his his command's been good. His stuff is good. He shoves, and you just expect him, no matter who he would face, to be kind of that good. And I'm Lazardo when he's not like Lazardo throws hard and lefty, and but Lazardo's stuff's a lot different. I don't know. It's it's interesting because you don't get that you know Lizardo's a little bit more of the sink. You get the carry with Reagan's and the change up off of it. it. That's what's been really interesting to me is it's it's like that perfect three pitch mix there where you, you you're gonna have the even splits while throwing harder. You, you talk about the efficiencies and and just the natural talent that he has. This guy was a first round pick, so you know it's it's not like he was some twenty eighth rounder that all of a sudden finds something, which we also see that too. Uh, we see Ben Brown is almost in the process of being that 20 something round pick that may end up turning into a nice little pitcher as he progresses through the minors, but it's rare being able to unlock that while also having that polish though is really interesting to me. And what impresses you to, to wrap up on Reagan's with the, with the pitch ability and the feel for the secondaries, because it's one thing to be able to throw harder, but there's another thing to still be able to spot that change up at a 65% strikeout or strike rate. And uh, the slider, he lands for a strike nearly 70% of the time. Like it's not just effectiveness, it's efficiency and and consistency. Yeah. He went from somebody who people don't pay attention to, to basically like a hall of famer in like, what a few months um he's you know i it's his makeup i think he he's very even keeled to me while still being aggressive which is a really good combination i love seeing that um it's just everything's clicking for the guy and it looks like like i mean legit he's going to be good for a long time and i think everybody when they first made that trade were like they gave up a Raldis chapman for what and now it's like Man, they fleeced. I mean, uh, giving up Araldis Chapman for the best pitcher in baseball, geez, that's a pretty good trade. Araldis Chapman has a laundry list now of really good players traded for him. If we remember, he was traded straight up for Glaber Torres. And I think there was Adam Warren was also in that deal. But Glaber Torres is now one of the best second basemen in baseball for the Yankees. And now Cole Reagans looks like the greatest pitcher on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. But ever. the reason I... Yeah, maybe ever. The reason I brought up a role as Chapman, though, is on the Texas side, you see a lot of Rangers fans getting really upset. But they have plenty of starting pitching, but the problem there has been in the bullpen, right? When we look at all of these different contenders, that is one of the weakest spots of a contender in the American League. Yeah. How do you think they should start working this bullpen moving forward? Because... At some point, like you got to be able to lock down the end of the game. It's it's really tough for them right now. And Chapman, obviously, his upside is always, you know, he throws 102, 103. It's Araldus Chapman. But he also always can have that unevenness. And that's, you know, Yankees fans saying, just wait till he gets some pressure on him. And I don't know if it's a pressure thing, particularly. It's just inconsistency. What he has done really well this year and you see his velo spike as he changed his mechanics too and really loads his lower half almost exaggeratedly um, to get power out of him. So I still like him and I still think he's capable of shutting down games. But number one, closers can be, they have their good years and bad years. He has a long track record of having good years and bad years. Just hoping you get the experienced Araldus Chapman down the stretch who can shut it down. I think you have to keep going to him because you don't have a ton of other options. I personally think it is a pressure thing. I mean, I, I'm a Yankee be. fan. I, I watched yeah. him for years and even this year in save situations, he's got an ERA above four and in yeah. non-save situations, he's got an ERA below three. And whenever we're looking at walk-off home runs or big moments in the postseason, it always seems to seem like it's a role this Chapman on the mound. Yeah, it kind of like I always hesitate to to tag somebody with not good under pressure because every time you close out a game period or every time you're in a baseball game, there's pressure. People are going to crap on you if you have a bad outing. Yes, there's extra pressure in the postseason. And yes, he occasionally doesn't come through. But it's like I don't like putting that label on Kershaw either. who doesn't have great. who hasn't a great postseason. I think Kershaw's got incredible makeup and it's just either at this point, it's not even small sample size. It's just some guys get attacked better 
by postseason hitting because hitters are more patient. And if you're patient with Chapman, it's fairly easy to work a walk occasionally and then get him panicked where he has to throw strikes. And now you're sitting on a fastball kind of right down the middle. And even at 102, major leaguer that's sitting on it is going to be able to hit it. So I don't know. I don't know what goes through his mind. I do see occasionally what you're talking about where you see his face. He looks lost under pressure and you're, but I, I I don't like tagging somebody with that tag necessarily because again, he's a major leaguer and a really experienced one who's been in those situations a lot come through sometimes too. I mean, you know, but you fail even 20% of the time as a closer and that's not so good. People are going to always remember when you fail. People crap out. Like I, if I tweet Mariano, they'll be like, what happened against the diamondbacks where he gave up? Like, (laughs) I'm like, yes, it's Mariano Rivera. Sometimes you're going to beat him. Now Chapman isn't that level of consistency, obviously, but you're still going to remember the failures more than you remember the successes. I, I just have a quick question about social media because obviously we're all over social media and we see all of the different uh, there's good stuff, right? There's there's people celebrating your stuff, but then there's also the morons on social media that rip on you. What's your least favorite thing or like least favorite comment on social media that just grinds your gears? Oh, when it, when it doesn't count, it's X. Like I get these replies every time, like. Doesn't count. He's pitching against the Giants. Doesn't oh, count. Those he struck things. out. Blah. I'm like, I, you know, I take those. the time to read replies. Right. Like I, t- I'm reading replies, and then you, you do just wasted my time and yeah. doing that. I'm like, it's really not that witty after I've seen it five hundred thousand times. Um, the other thing is, like yesterday, I got it doesn't count again. It's against the Giants. Well, I actually picked again. Like you know, I bet my own picks. And I picked it. I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, it counts because I just won. So yeah. what are you talking about? Like, Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the payout didn't come because it doesn't count. It's, 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 and the Giants are a playoff team. Yeah, like in the playoff right. it's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. That, that one is that is a good one. And I will say you do an unbelievable job of, of engaging with people. I As you're I'm being able to monitor your following and, and how much it's grown and see you continue to engage is really impressive. And, um, you know, I think it sets it sets a good standard because. Uh, there are a lot of positive comments, and I do think, relatively speaking, your your circle and and the replies on your content tend to skew. It's a low bar. It's a very low bar, but tend to skew more positive than than most of the uh, social media accounts I see. I would say that's true. I mean, I really like. That's why I engage in it. And even if somebody's being, you know, if somebody makes a crappy comment, I'm gonna engage most of the time, either to convince them that it was a crappy comment. Or sometimes, you know, occasionally someone's right about something. I'll sit there and go, yeah, no, dude, you're 100% right. I was wrong. Like, especially when it comes to like picks. If I make a pick and somebody says, you know, why'd you pick this? I'm, I'll give a reason why I did. But if I'm wrong and it turns out that, you know, that I'm wrong, like that's life. It's I'm going to admit it. Why, it's why baseball. Not? It's baseball. Yeah, it I, I, I want to I put your your GM hat on real quick because this is so interesting. I would say a very fascinating free agent class that just got a little bit thinner for bad reasons. But on the pitching side, Aaron Nola, this guy has been almost like a a butt of a joke on our our podcast for a while because it just became a very controversial topic in terms of, you know, very analytically driven people absolutely love him. And then some others, you know, maybe undervalue him. And and it's like this, this crossroads here. It doesn't really matter how you value him. He's been a, he's been a horse, but there's there's a question now of this guy's about to hit free agency. He does have a four five five. Of course, all of the underlying metrics are really solid and much better than that. Where would you stand on Aaron Nola as a free agent this year, and and how confident would you be in giving him a long term deal? And that doesn't mean that he's not a good pitcher. I think everybody agrees he's a good pitcher, but long term deals with pitchers are weird and. He's just hitting free agency now because he had a couple years bought out, if I'm not mistaken, prior. Where do you stand on Aaron Nola, the pitcher, at this point? That is, he's a really tough one because, um, I mean, I see the same things with him. And and every time I look at him, I'm expecting this is the game where he's going to strike out 12 and pitch and throw a shutout and all that. And he can do it any given game. It's a game. It's not like he's, you know, he's not capable. I would still err on the side of thinking he is a, a potential ace that I would, I mean, I think he's going to get a big contract. I think a team can depend on him. Um, he throws a lot of innings, you know, it's been, 
I guess, I, I mean, I wanted to say pretty consistent. It really hasn't been pretty consistent, but it seems like you're always getting consistent effort out of him, I yeah. guess, is what, what I'm saying. Um, so he's one of those guys that I think you can you can at least pencil into your your, your rotation every, you know, that's, it's worth something. So I expect him to get paid pretty darn well and for some team to take, you know, a, a, a good shot at him and to be successful with him because I, I still, despite the inconsistency of results, I think the stuff is there. Yeah, Aaron Nola is the most confusing pitcher in Major League Baseball really to me. Really is very confusing. Because, I, you know, I love looking at the peripherals, like expected ERA, Sierra, and FIP, and XFIP, and F4. Like, all of them are going to tell you that Aaron Nola is a good pitcher. And then you turn on a Phillies game, and when he's locating the two seam and locating all those different pitches, okay, those numbers were right. And then the next start, he allows four home runs. So, the... I. Just to follow up on that question, you think he could be a potential ace, but you see how much pitchers are getting paid in this market. And right, Carlos Rodon was a great example of a guy who the expected numbers look great and the performance on the field was amazing. And then he gets a six-year deal and he gets hurt. And now he struggled all season long. Like knowing the inconsistencies of the starting pitching position and then knowing that Aranola might be the most inconsistent of them all, do you pay him like an ace? Yes, you're going to pay him like he's going to get paid like an ace. I can almost guarantee that. But I understand exactly what you're saying. Like uh, um, Rodon was one of my guys. Like I still too. think, I mean, he's freaking got great stuff, struggled with injuries this year. You can't always predict that. I mean, he has had injuries in the past, but he's gotten past them, too, because people are like writing him off. And then all of a sudden he's a Cy Young contender. Um, I still think the rest of his contract's going to be, you know, don't forget you're paying him. You can't judge it based on a snippet of one year. He's going to be, you know, hopefully back and be a bully on the mound like he typically is for the rest of his contract. I mean, he is very hardworking, dude. Um, you know, again, love his stuff. I think Nola is too. They're very different in Rodon's very aggressive. Nola is not as aggressive, like, you know, as, as far as mannerisms on the mound and all that. Um, but I think he's going to get paid like an ace because exactly what we're saying is every everybody, when you're signing somebody, you see the upside um, it's like I can change him type mm -hmm. of thing. Like you get him in our nice. program and we're going to get that consistency out of him. Sometimes it works. I'd say most of the time it doesn't work, but that fallacy is going to keep happening because yeah. that's what teams do. Yeah, that's like the, the the level of confidence that that any any executive or front office is going to have. Oh, well, we, we'll, we'll get this guy right. But that was actually going to be my follow up with Noah, because if there is a candidate for that, I do feel like it's him. You see, like what what Zach Eflin has been able to do, you know, with the Rays. You, you see, even I mean, Aaron Savali. I just saw you you put it out. Oh, he geez. just punched out yeah. twelve. And I know that it's the Rays. And, and honestly, one of the things that that grinds my gear sometimes is that any pitcher or or that goes to a specific team, everybody instantly says, "Oh, incoming two two ERA." But there there's some merit to it as it well. Is. The one thing I'll say with with Nola too is like. You you brought up the point of yeah he might be a little inconsistent or he might be very inconsistent, very inconsistent in terms of the yeah. ERA yeah. but two hundred innings two hundred innings uh, uh, shortened season hundred eighty innings two hundred five innings and probably two hundred innings this year like you don't get that much these days so if you can even unlock just a little bit more uh, you, you got to feel pretty good if you were if you were looking at Aaron Nola and, and maybe could try to tweak something because the long ball is, is the clear thing, but it's not like, Oh, just don't give up as many home runs. Like that's not how it works. What's something that you think could maybe optimize his, his arsenal a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pitch, it's pitch mix and consistency of shape of pitches. Like I, you can tell when you're watching Nola start, if he's on or not, if you see that knuckle curve breaking the right way, sometimes it's, I mean, I know there's a numbers test on it. I, I actually first, see it with my eyes. Um, and I've seen guys like Keller, uh, Mitch Keller in the, in the, in the middle of the season go into that slump. And then all of a sudden you see him get his shape, pitch shapes back. And I'm like, all right, now he's back. And I feel like his next few starts are going to be good. Sometimes you just lose it. Um, and I think that happens sometimes with Nola and then he starts relying on it's, it's almost like a, a hitting slump with pitchers. Basically you're just a little bit off. And that means that it's always in there. And, and again, as a team, you're looking for what that guy has in them. And to me, I want the guy that's going to eat up innings. It's have a proven track record. If I'm going to bet my money, I'm betting on that guy versus somebody that's been consistently hurt and is inconsistent. Like he's been inconsistent, but has given you at least the innings. So he's worth something for something mm -hmm. for you.
And that's why I will give Aaron Nola a lot of credit. We talk a lot about durability on this podcast it's when it comes to pitching. hugely important. Yeah, hugely important. Hugely important. And, and just speaking about that, because there's so many different stats now, right? And as a pitching guru yourself, you're going through all of them on a daily basis. What do you think? It might not be a stat. It could be just a quality of, of a pitcher. Do you think that not enough people with all the numbers in front of them don't appreciate enough? The stat that people don't appreciate? Maybe um, maybe it's a stat. Maybe it's a quality of a pitcher. Just like we talk about how Jose Barrios, right, makes 32 starts every single year. Yep. And you can make fun of his year last year. But at the end of the day, he's there every fifth day giving you a chance to win. And that's extremely valuable. That may not show up in the stat sheet besides innings. Like what's a quality about pitching that you feel is undervalued? Well, I think the durability is definitely one like that. That is that's huge because it not only means that you can write somebody into your rotation, but it also protects your bullpen and helps other pitchers too. And gives that team just that little, you know, you, you want somebody that say, all right, well today we're going to be able to rest these guys, um, recharge their batteries because this guy's going seven for me. Um, I think that's a really important thing. So I would say that's important. The thing that i I guess when I'm the things that always jump out to me are I love pitching dominance. So I'm looking at K per nine whiff rates, stuff like that, beating people both in the zone and out of the zone. I don't have it. I don't discriminate about, you know, chases. I love chases. That's part of a pitcher's job. I also like seeing guys beat people in the zone and being consistent. I like a guy like you know, George Kirby, who doesn't ever leave the strike zone, who walks under a batter per nine um, and, ha and can touch 99. That's, a really, really good trade and makes all his starts and stuff. He's a guy that I consider, you know, it elite. Even if everybody, even if it's not a household name, he should be a household name. Um, I don't think people understand how good that is. So I, I really look at everything in combination, but I love swing and miss stuff. Like give me all the swing and miss stuff. So somebody that I think has kind of just had a little bit of the ups and downs this year as well, and, and will probably have to uh, kick it into another gear here with both the swing and miss and the ground ball departments, Framber Valdez. And uh, I don't know how much you've, you've kept up with, with specifically maybe just like what has been going on with him. Um, but I know you're watching basically everything at all times at once. So with Framber, what, what have you seen there? Cause it, this looks like a pitching slump, as you said, uh, but this is a guy, I mean, we've talked a lot about Javier, so I kind of wanted to pivot to, to Framber on, on this one with you. They, they need both of them if they're going to win the World Series again, but Framber especially because that's that's been their rock in the postseason. I, yeah, he's he's a tough one to figure out because he'll throw a no-hitter and it looks like he's going to throw, you know, he's every other game like, all right, I'm going to go six or seven no-hit innings and then there's kind of a clunker in there. And to me, again, it looks like pitch shape to me. And when his, huh. when he, when his curveball and cutter are hitting, you know, it, it keeps everybody, I mean, his, his velo has been pretty solid too. So like he's got all the pieces. He's clearly got the potential of being an ace can be a consistent piece. I see him being more inconsistent this year than he has been in other years. So I, to me, it's about shape of his breaking stuff. So with the, with, the pitch shape. So the, some listeners may not know, like w what's a big contributor to that? You know, how do I fix that? How do I, how do I improve upon that issue? Can you elaborate a little bit on that for the listener that you know may not know? Yeah, absolutely. So first it is, you have to notice that it's happening. You can either, <laughs> your analytics department is going to say, Hey, you know, you're not getting as much depth on your curveball, um, or the pitcher notices. I mean, it should be pretty obvious to most of these guys who throw a lot. And sometimes the fix is pretty easy. It's just a matter of releasing it, you know, a tiny bit more out in front or, or changing a little bit of, of where you're putting your fingers on a ball. Otherwise, other times that somebody changed inadvertently changed something in their mechanics. Like you'll see guys, especially later in the season, they go through slumps like, all right, well, let me move a little bit on the rubber. Let me change the way I'm doing something. And what happens is they get further and further away from what made them great. And all of a sudden they're not getting the results. And it just spirals, just like a hitting slump. It's like you hit a few balls at somebody. You're like, now I got to hit it around them or over them or through them. And you start changing something. And all of a sudden, you're in a slump. Mm -hmm. I saw that with, uh, for example, I did a breakdown of David Peterson, who people had high expectations for, then pitched terribly at the beginning of the year. He had got into a bad habit or changed where he put his glove position and just created more moving parts in his delivery. 
Um, he started that in spring trainings, did that at the beginning of the year, and then went back after he got sent down to what he normally did and then had some good results after that. But it was a matter of just getting away from what made him successful. And once he clicked it back, he, he regained it. I don't think there's anything hugely wrong with Valdez. I think that he's been uh, – I mean, I, I think it's as little, I think it's a little thing. You can look at edutronic cameras, which slows things down to, you know, thousands of frames per second and just see exactly where the ball's mm-hmm. coming off your hand and make those changes. And, and hopefully he'll, that's encouraging it. though. Yeah. That's encouraging. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, but sometimes it's hard, like it's easy for me to say it, um, but it's harder to do it actually during the season. Cause you have to, these guys, you know, you're tired after a start. When are you going to have time to work on it? One bullpen, is that enough to fix it? Don't know. So it's going to, it's easier said than done sometimes, but sometimes it's pretty easily done too. And in the national league, we have the Cy Young race going down to the wire, right? You got Blake Snell who throws 95 miles an hour with life. And then he just drops the hammer curveball on you, the slider, everything he's got. But then you have Justin Steele, who's not cut from that same cloth, right? It's 91. It's 92 with a little bit of cut and he places it kind of wherever he wants. So we're talking about pitch shape. Those are two guys getting it done at the highest level with completely different offerings. What's your feel right now on the National League? Because we're not even talking about Spencer Strider when we talk about you like guys who, you know, swinging strike rates, all that kind of stuff. He he might be the poster boy for that. He literally is. Yeah, I think he's the poster boy for one of the guys that I would support for Cy Young. Uh, who doesn't have the ERA to back it up right now. To me, I thought for a while, at least, that if he had a few good starts and lowered his ERA to a more competitive level, because there are voters that are just going to vote. You know, they look at ERA, they're like, I can't give it to a guy with a 3-5 ERA. Um, where the advanced at everything else looks great, and he's actually the leader in a ton, in, in everything that I care about, he basically leads. So, um, But I'd have a hard time saying that he would be, the, to me, Steele has a lot of the traditional metrics. I know we discount wins and losses. Some people don't, and they love it. Like when you're looking through the history of Cy Young Award winners, it's nice to see a guy with a ridiculous winning percentage for a you year. Gotta, you got to win the game, Rob. It, win the, like, win the it damn is a game. pitcher's job, right? <laughs> like, like we say wins and losses don't matter, but wins and losses are, I mean, and that's where it cuts in Strider's favor too, because Strider, you know, no matter what, he puts his team in contention to win. And his, if you're looking at record, that's really good. ERA is literally the only thing he falls down on. Um, Steele, like Steele has everything. Like Steele with his combination of ERA, wins and losses, and and case per nine now, he's over, I mean, he's, he's now over nine, which yeah. to me is an important factor. So I thought his last, I thought yesterday, was a day that really let put people on notice that this may be your Cy Young Award winner. Um, Blake Snell's put up all the numbers, is arguably the best pitcher in in the National League right now. You know, for a stretch, he was like for a stretch. I don't think it was even doubt of you couldn't doubt it. Like he was dominating everybody. Just you're like, is he ever going to stop? Walks, you know, again, I don't focus as much on him. They exist, and he does it a lot. So I think they're they're traditional. Does he pass all the eye test stuff? I think right now, if you're a traditional voter, Steele is your guy, and I think Steele would be. I, Snell's favorite on the betting lines. I think Steele probably has the best argument to win it. I, that's that's basically what we said on on the previous episode. Is I was trying to make the case for Steele, but this is a question that I don't even totally know where I stand on. So I, I, I this is a bit unfair, but I, I have to tee up for it. Um, I think about voting on awards and we talk about this all the time and it becomes this, this kind of search within your own mind of what you value and then what should be valued. And you, you try to figure that out. Uh, you you kind of tease that with the wins and losses, ERA and things like that. I, I look at a, a Blake Snell and I'm like, that guy's walking five per nine. I can't like it should be illegal for a Cy Young winner to walk five per nine. But if you walk guys and no one scores, who who really cares? Like I have like the devil and the angel on each shoulder arguing with them each other all the time. Like, where do you stand? Like, what are the important metrics? Uh, maybe outside the obvious, what are some other things that you're looking at? If you had a Cy Young vote, that would be really important to you. I mean, I'm a strikeout guy. I, I like the fact, I mean, again, still being over nine is important to me. I think over 1K per inning is a, is a you know, a pretty big deal. 
Um, I look at walks or so like there's, there's an aesthetic thing where you want your guy to be like, that is the best pitcher in baseball. Um, so walks are a part of it. Like walks a pitcher can control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would look at things like FIP and any advanced stats, give me all the information that I could possibly get. I think that that cuts against Snell somewhat, just the aesthetic part, but he also blows people away and has just ridiculous, like his curveball whiff rate is, is insane. Like he's, his top tier stuff is really good. Um, but it also comes down to taking a look at traditional numbers. Uh, like as much as I don't like it, you know, as uh, your job is to win a game too. And how do you cut it? Like steel's got everything. Like what part would you say that steel, if you're looking at steel, just traditionally, he's your Cy Young award winner, right? Yeah. Like he has all those stats and you would say, how does that guy not win the Cy Young? Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Now we have, of course we have pitching ninja on. And we're talking about Cy Young. I want to ask you about your favorite young pitchers in the game, but just speaking still on the Cy Young type track, who are your five pitchers who you think can win this Cy Young in the next couple of years that haven't been in consideration yet? Ooh, that's a good question. Are you, and outside of young pitchers too? Yeah, it can be it can be young pitchers. It can be a guy who you've noticed come onto the scene that maybe is a little bit older that just hasn't been considered in the Cy Young conversation yet. I mean, I, I think Brandon Woodruff is a dude who can win yeah. the Cy Young any given year. Like that dude is a horse, and and kind of love watching him pitch. Uh, same token, I think uh, Peralta's been underrated for the role he's on. Like that dude is striking people out left and right. I don't know if he. You know, can he keep it up for a year? He seems to me to be fairly inconsistent and very high energy guy. When he's on, he's among the more unhittable, uh, unhittable guys out there. Um, who can take it? I mean, as, as far as like young guys, I think Yuri Perez is is is. I don't even know how to describe that guy. Like, I can't imagine what his ceiling is. He's so freaking good. His stuff, his command, his makeup, his size. There's other than injury risk, which everybody has. That guy is the is is an incredibly talented young pitcher and is can win Cy Youngs every year from now till from from next year on. He could be a Cy Young favorite, and nobody would bat an eye. Um, Grayson Rodriguez is the guy who has Cy Young stuff too. As a young as a young pitcher, like you I mean absolutely freaking electric right like yeah it's been really cool to see him kind of fully fully start to put it together not fully because fully would be ace but just come around to the point to where he is contributing consistently and looks like maybe their best arm as the prospect guy you know I, i just baseball i've been covering him for a while and watching his starts for a while. And it's, it's always, it's always eye opening to see the adjustment period at the big league level. Maybe some guys don't have it. You mentioned Perez didn't really have it as much, but what have you seen with, with Grayson? Cause that's kind of somebody that I wanted to highlight specifically. I, I, I can kind of tell based on your social media patterns, you key in a little bit extra. I feel like on Grayson or he just gives you more material. I don't know which it is, but I, I tend to feel like whenever I look or it might be extra serving me up what I want. Uh, but I always see a little extra Grayson. And I think it's the complete arsenal that he has. You just, you have so much to work with there similar to Perez. What have you seen that's really kind of clicked for Grayson? And then what do you think it would require to kind of get that next level, which is, you know, frontline guy? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's the velo getting his velo up to what is touching one Oh one. Like, that's crazy as a starter and able to keep his velo deep in the games. Um, and I love his off speed stuff too. Like I think his changeup is, is extremely good. I think his slider looked really good yesterday. Um, it's just consistency. Like he has ex- consistency and experience and knowing how to use your arsenal. I think the same thing with someone like um, Bobby Miller, who had a fantastic outing against the Braves to me, like, it's a matter he will be a high strikeout guy once he realizes how to sequence stuff. Graham Ashcraft is a guy that seems to put it together a little bit piece by piece, but can be very inconsistent. Get got lit up earlier in the year and now seems to be putting it a little bit together better. 
Um, Lazardo's got Lazardo's absolutely got Cy Young stuff, and he's got to you know just go on a, a tear. But he does go on tears. Like there are tears where he'll go in, he'll he'll k nine to twelve guys a game, um, and then get lit up out of the blue. And and some of it's knowing how to deal with when things start spiraling. There's a big mental game aspect to baseball that I think fans and if you look at numbers and just mechanics and everything else, you don't get it. But knowing as a person. Like when things go bad, what happens? How do you spiral? And if you have the experience to fix it, you're going to be able to. Lazardo's at that point where I think he can take that next step, but he's certainly got Cy Young stuff. Reagan's is one guy, right? Like yeah. Reagan's could be like he should he could be a Cy Young Award winner this year if somebody wanted to give it to him. Uh, like every year, like he's legit. I if he's if he can keep doing what he's doing, he will win. Make he's he just is the complete package. I couldn't agree with you more. My follow-up question was to be to round out your top five. Who else but Cole Reagans? I, I mean, he has to be on there, right? Like, like I, I even mentioned it. I mentioned it yesterday. He's he's the best pitcher in baseball over the last month, and and I and I'm not even. There's no qualms in saying it. Like he just nope. is. Yeah. He just is. Our Strider's one guy who. Um, could be the best pitcher in baseball and arguably is the best pitcher in baseball any given outing. Like you would never be if he if you if if you were asked, can Spencer Strider strike out 15 against any team? The answer is yes. And you wouldn't be yeah. surprised if he did. It's just those little times where number one, hitters are guessing. You you need to throw them off a little bit more. Um and then, you know, it's just a, maybe a little lapse. I don't know. I don't want to put it on lapse in concentration or something, but it just seems like he'll be dominant. And then all of a sudden one thing will happen. You're like, really a three run Homer. Like you were just going to be a shutout. And now it's going to be a three earned runs on your, yeah. I mean, it's, it it's, blows. It's interesting. Cause I, 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 most of my friends in pro ball just happen to be hitters. So I'm often learning through a hitter's lens and communicating with guys through a hitter's lens. And fr from what I gather on, on an approach on strider from guys that have faced him and, and guys that are similar to that is you mentioned the guessing it, it the thing that makes strider so good is you can guess fastball but when it's got that okay. carry and it's in the right spot good luck but yeah. if you guess fastball and it's back over the middle a little bit you can just kind of get the head out and, and and get to it do you think it's fastball command that can kind of make strider a little bit inconsistent and and what's more important maybe having that that perfect or or closer to perfect fastball command or maybe developing a third pitch that makes guessing harder that might be difficult for a guy like Strider at this stage though yeah i mean his changeup is a legit pitch he just needs a i mean and he can throw it more he just hasn't had the real need to and then he realized i mean it it can just happen like oh crap i should have probably thrown a changeup a little more um and I just was sitting, you know, I was doing fastball slider a little too much because they've been working. Like his yeah. thing is it works it's every one time until it doesn't work. Yeah. It's one pitch. Yeah. Um, I think like a Hunter Green is a guy who has unlimited potential. I, I mean, anybody that craps on that dude and says, oh, he's never going to be blah, blah, blah. I've had people say, oh, he should be a closer. Forget about him oh. starting. Like, what are you talking about? He's what, like 24 years old, 23, <laughs> 24? Yeah. Um, and to me, it's a matter of like, and I don't know, I'm sure he's tried it, but I would say developing a, a splitter. I know he has a change up. He's not a great pronator, I think. And a lot of the not great pronators doing like what Kirby and, and Logan Gilbert did. Seattle, you develop a splitter and now all, all of a sudden you have a really good out pitch. I can see Green developing a splitter and now you're not stuck between guessing fastball slider and Green's fastball is a little less life than striders does um so if you're guessing fastball you can hammer it i think if you put one more pitch in people's head and had command of it hunter green is a you know is an absolute if you look at that dude and don't say he has a stuff i don't know what to say like he does have a stuff i think that's a fantastic idea because splitters are becoming much more prevalent in major league baseball is maybe the best chase pitch that we have we see it with the rays all the time but i i think this is my last question for you i know arm wants to ask about the Greg Maddox interview yep. that you just did, but I'm a betting man. I like to bet. And in the playoffs, I think it gets increasingly tougher because we saw the Phillies, right? Make a run from their wild card. And it was on the backs of Zach Wheeler looking like the best pitcher in the postseason and Aaron Nola being consistent in the postseason. That's why flashes is a stuff. And then you got Ranger Suarez who are a couple of pitchers 
that when you look at the slate of games in the postseason, because there's guys who are really talented, right? But then there are the guys that you put your head on the pillow at night and you know that you're backing a guy that you can be the most comfortable with. Like that is also a quality of pitcher that goes undervalued. Just the he if I could bet on anything, he will give me a chance to win. Like who are a couple of the pitchers that we will see in the postseason that you just feel so good about? You know, I think Max Fried proved it his last outing. Like if you looked at and this is I was just I was talking about this, too. If you look at him versus Strider, Strider had that one bad pitch. Freed did not have one bad pitch that game. And Freed's curveball looked as good as it's ever looked. Um, he's got the experience. He's got advanced pitch ability and stuff that uh, he's one of those guys. He just proved it to me in that Dodgers game like you K-10. And he just, he looked unhittable. He never was in trouble. He never did any, and and it looked like he could do that all day. That's a guy who I view as the potential wild card for the Braves who they didn't have most of the year. You throw him in there with the rest of their stuff. You know, that's, that's the guy that I, that I can rest easy putting out there. A guy you could rest very easy putting out there every fifth day. And I know his managers did is Greg Maddox. And, and you had the opportunity to talk to him. So we'll wrap up with that. I, I saw some snippets, really excited to dive completely into that conversation you had with him. Uh, talk about one of the, the best pitching minds to, to ever live. And and then also being able to do it on the mound is just another thing. Uh, I'll ask a couple of specific questions about it, but I kind of just want to leave the floor to you. What, what were you most impressed about and what did you come away with in that conversation? Uh, you, you've grown very quickly and, and become a, a major player in this industry, but that must have been pretty, pretty awesome to just sit down and be able to talk to somebody like Greg freaking Maddox. Yeah, especially since, I mean, I'm in Atlanta too. And I, you know, I used to go to all his games back in the day as well. Um, it was weird. Like his son just reached out and said, Hey, would you want to interview my dad? And I'm like, I guess. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like I'll drop everything to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Every day of the week. Um, I was impressed by his willingness to sit there for an hour answering every question I had, honestly, like I thought that he didn't give me canned answers, um, which was really good. His way of thinking about it. Number one, the biggest thing that jumped out at me is the way he explained his cutter, to be honest. Like I, I'd never heard anybody explain it. Like I've taught it gripping a little off center, um, like cutting through part of the ball. He talked about it in terms of throwing it like you would throw a slider, but instead of it coming Ew. off your middle finger, have it come off your pointer finger. So you're just twisting it less and it will go down less and cut across. Um, Never heard anybody say that. You Darvish is one of those guys that I interviewed that also said something about a cutter that blew my mind where he just said, hold your hand up like this. If you push these two fingers down, your hand will automatically, it'll be a cutter. And I'm like, never heard that before. That's really <laughs> cool. So Maddox kind of blew my mind with that cue. And I've been teaching pitching for a while. Never heard that before. Um, just overall, his composure his lack of crapping on the current game. That's huge. Yeah. Like, you know, I love John Smoltz, um, his stuff, mental game stuff. Brilliant. If you talk about his sequencing, anything like that, really, really brilliant baseball mind. But you have to put yourself in today's mindset of why, instead of saying, why are they doing it this way? Understand, try and dig in deeper. Like, why are they doing it this way? Yeah. Like, like, hey, why are we focusing on velo? Why are we focusing on throwing breaking stuff earlier in counts? Why do we do it that way today? Maybe because it works. Maybe because we've studied it and we look at yeah. it and say, despite what you were taught back in the day, this stuff actually gives you results on the field. And maybe if you were doing it differently, you would have had an advantage. I thought Maddox's ability to say, yeah, these, there are some things today that would have given me a bigger advantage, like even pitch comp. Um, he wanted to call all his pitches. And he actually said during his last couple of years, he called all his pitches. He just told the catcher where to set up and basically threw whatever he wanted to. And he said, I didn't throw hard enough and they can catch it. So, you know, just <laughs> set, set up inside or outside. I'm just going to throw my own pitch. That's crazy. I, I, I love the point you bring up because being able to just even talk to some guys that have played in the big leagues kind of around the same time as Maddox and uh, look at pitching now as hit, they were all hitters. They all say, no, no way I'm hitting the same way I hit back then today. So if, if hitters are saying that, that played back then, hey, I, I'd have a much harder time hitting now. 
Clearly, there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, though, that I do think is is something that I don't know if it's something that's lost in today's game, because I think pitchers, a lot of pitchers subscribe to this belief. I think it's more of a misconception between fan and and player is you know, the O2 count, the, the, the quote unquote waste pitch. And I know uh, Greg Maddox has, has talked about that, but he got into it a little bit deeper with you. And I want to wrap on that. People, people talk about like, oh, you're way ahead here. You know, y- utilize you know, your, your four extra pitches you have here. Don't just groove one in there. And you talk about George Kirby, who always is in the zone. And I think that's probably someone that Greg Maddox, I'm sure, loves to watch pitch. Can you elaborate a little bit on on what Greg Maddox said about the O2 count and the quote unquote waste pitch that doesn't really exist and your thoughts on it, maybe to accentuate that? Yeah, I mean, he he is really into every pitch matters. You should like a hitter is on the defensive at O2. Why not attack him? Like nobody wants to hit O2. It's not a situation where a hitter ever feels comfortable. He's not saying groove it down the middle and every time I'm just going to let the hitter hit. He's saying I'm going to attack the hitter and throw a pitch that I want to throw and still get him out. Like if he pops it up, that's an awesome result. Or if I strike him out, that's an awesome result. And don't forget, Maddox had over 3,000 K. So it's not like he wasn't a strikeout pitcher. Like he didn't just pitch to contact. So uh, the ability to and the mindset of always attacking a hitter too. Like I'm always going at this guy trying to get him out on this pitch. You, why should you stop at at O2? But yet, I think it's more uh, lower levels, especially where guys, where coaches will be like, you can't give up an O2 pitch. It's got to be out of the yeah. zone. You can't give up a hit on an O2 pitch. Um, and, or you're going to run after the game. Like I've seen pitchers get mm-hmm. pulled and all that stuff. And especially with pitch counts now, making every pitch matter is important. I've seen way too many counts in high school. I, mean, I coach high school pitching where someone goes from O2 to 4-2 because they're still nibbling and because you say waste the one waste the O2 now it's one two they try to throw a nasty pitch guy doesn't chase it's two two now they're feeling a little pressure they throw another pitch out of the zone now it's three two and they're just trying to you know get it just happens all the time I'd rather my pitcher be attacking and I think that's a good attitude for a pitcher and I think Maddox really hit uh drove that home and hopefully coaches will listen to Greg Maddox if they don't (laughs) listen to me like they should listen to somebody yeah, he, he knows a thing or two. Uh, well, I, 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 you can listen to Pitching Ninja at a lot of different places, right? YouTube. Uh, where else can people kind of keep up with your work? Of course, on Twitter, where yeah. I mean, that's where it all began. But where else can people kind of keep an eye out for what you got going on and some things that you might have coming out very soon? Yeah, I'm on I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter or X or whatever we're calling the thing. Um, YouTube. And then, I mean, I feel like I'm everywhere, like just there's too much pitching ninjas. It should be less. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I disagree. It's good. I it's disagree. Good. It's good for a lot of pitch. Yeah. You never can have too much pitching. Ninja. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for giving us some pitching ninja here for almost a whole hour. Really appreciate the conversation. It's always a blast being able to talk with you, Rob, and uh, excited to uh, go through the final stretch of this baseball season with you and, and look forward to hopefully talking again soon. Awesome. And and let's start the Cole Reagan's fan club. We're ready, yes. Right? I'm in. Who's better than Pitching Ninja Arm? Who's better than that man? That was so much fun. It's funny because it's like that that could be a multifaceted question. Like who's better at what he does? Not many people. And then like just who's a better person? Not many people. Yep. Like he he on air, off air, on online, offline, he's the same dude. And I've been fortunate enough to talk to him several times throughout the years. And I mean, he came on to one of my shows when I had a hundred listeners and was only talking about the Marlins. I mean, and that, that's just the guy that he is. It was talked about, talk about Sixto Sanchez, by the way, though, but that's the kind of guy he is. Like, it's just, it's so much fun being able to pick his brain and just an awesome dude. Absolutely. And I hope everybody enjoyed that interview before we go. I have a quick tidbit to tell everybody. I made a mistake arm. So remember at the beginning of the season where I gave the Mariners as my pick out of the American League and the Braves as my pick out of the National League to win the World Series. Mm -hmm. I bet on the Mariners to win the AL pennant, to win the World Series, Braves, National League pennant, division, all that kind of stuff. And it's looking great right now. And I put in one super, super long shot bet on BetMGM plus 7,500 for them to meet right? Little tiny sprinkle, just Mariners versus Braves exact result of the World Series. Felt so good about it, but forgot about the bet, right? I knew about those, but I was like, wait a minute. 
The Mariners are trending up. The Braves, I know I have those tickets. I remember I placed a little sprinkle on them exact, right? $10 bet to win 750 bucks just for fun to add on top. I went into my BetMGM account arm. I clicked the wrong button. Do you know what I clicked instead? What did you click instead? The San Diego Padres to beat the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> that shit ain't happening. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, me? well, at least if it makes I it couldn't feel have at least pick the Dodgers or like the Reds, even it had to be the Padres. That's bad. That's really funny. I, it's funny because if you told us that at the beginning of the year, like, should I cancel it? I would have been like, yeah, just ride it out. Maybe that was like divine intervention. Um, no, it wasn't. But I will say the Mariners have scuffled a little bit of late. Maybe you have to root against them now, but don't you have other futures on them or no? No, that's what I'm saying. I have the Mariners over wins. I have them to win the pennant. I have them to win the World Series. Okay, so you still got to redo them. You still got to redo them. Yeah, but it's funny. I also have Astros to win the division. So what I'm hoping is a perfect scenario for Peter Apple. Astros win the division. Mariners finish second. They both get in. Mariners go on a run, go to the World Series and face off against the Braves. And Peter Apple's a happy man. Yeah, he's a happy man. Courtesy of BetMGM. And make sure to use code JUSTBASEBALL. For $1,500 first bet offer for all of those bonus bets. Hopefully, you guys all enjoyed this episode. Again, brought to you by BetMGM, but also go check out Verse Gaming for all you fantasy sports people out there. That link is in the episode description. Best way to support, get yourself some Just Baseball merch. You can find that in the description as well. But if you don't want to spend a dime, you're not a gambler, and you don't like fantasy sports, well, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. But let's just say you just like baseball and you just like listening along and don't want to spend a dime. If you could just rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit us with the subscribe button. Hit that subscribe button. It's a big red button. We'd greatly appreciate it. As well as leave a comment, hit the like button, and we'll be back. Everyone's been asking, Arm, when's the mailbag? Mailbag is on Friday with the Go three in. of us. So we'll see you guys on Friday. That's Arm. I'm Peter. And with that, thank you, everybody. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.